Hello and welcome to Living the Queen Life, a podcast by Queen of My Own Universe. I'm your host, Margaret Foley, and I am the Queen of My Own Universe. Living the Queen Life podcast showcases the stories of ordinary women doing extraordinary things and brings to you advice, helpful tools and tips and inspiration about how you too can live a life that you love. I believe that every woman is the queen of her own universe, and I'm on a mission to empower you to believe in and lean into your full potential. Think, feel, and live like a queen. There's no one as special as you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Living the Queen Life podcast. I'm Margaret Foley, and I am the queen of my own universe. I'm super excited to be joined today by the lovely Sarah McDonald, who is the founder and CEO of Canine Comprehension. So let me tell you a little bit about Sarah. So after changing careers from being a secondary school teacher to a dog behavioural behavioral therapist, Sarah decided to combine the two and create an innovative business that looks for solutions to school disengagement and child resilience building. Canine Comprehension brings therapy dogs to schools and homes around Victoria to positively interact with students, giving them essential support to improve their motivation, confidence and self-regulation. Welcome, Sarah, to Living the Queen Life. Thank you so much for having me, Margaret. Happy to be here. You are most welcome. We are delighted to have you. When I read your bio, um, the topic of school disengagement is something that's actually um, pretty close to my heart um, with my own um, children uh, and to the point of actually last year pulling one of my children, my youngest son, who was uh, in year 10 at the time, actually pulling him out of school due to disengagement and mental health battles that he was having and bringing him into a home learning environment. So um, I read what you were doing and I'm like, oh, my God, and I know so many mums, especially as we take Sounds like a lot of the kids that, yeah, Mm -hmm. that we work with. Yes, this back into school bit is... um, You know, it's it's I hate those words new normal, but it's it's not normal for them now, and it is really hard, hard on everyone in the schools. So, yeah, parents just have to do what they can, and we're there to try to help and support and and make that journey back into the school and learning fun. Fantastic. So maybe tell us what inspired you to start your business because it's a bit of a transition from high school teacher <laughs> to dog behavioural therapist and then into, you know, running canine comprehension. So tell us about that journey. Well, I joke with friends saying that um, working with the kids or animals isn't very different in times, that's for sure. There's still <laughs> chaos all along. <laughs> um, but I, I started as a high school teacher and I was a real curriculum nerd. I love English and history and I just wanted kids to be as excited about the topic as I was Um, but they weren't and it wasn't and and as much as I tried it wasn't just about curriculum and lesson plans and timetabling and school stuff it was that the kids had other things going on rather than the French revolution that I'm trying to teach and (laughs) and and the last book that they're trying to read that they had they had home um, events that were causing their minds to wander and for them to worry. They had friendship issues that were going on right, you know, under my nose really. And so it didn't matter how good my lessons were. If my kids weren't feeling safe and if their their safety needs um, weren't met, then there'd be nothing else. So I was a little bit disillusioned um, and 
I, at the same time, you know, got my first full-time job, steady job, bought a house. So what do you do when you buy a house? Buy a dog. Um, so got my first dog, Minnie, and Minnie is a Ridgeback Doberman. There's nothing Minnie about Minnie. She's a giant. And she <laughs> sound like it. And she was a nightmare. She um, would jump up on the dining room table and bark at you and scare guests and have neighbours complain. So while I was a teacher, I also started dog training with Minnie. Um, but what I found that Minnie would go from being absolutely hyper to then being really fearful and and running and hiding. Minnie was a rescue dog, but um, I was I was like, I just don't know what to do with this dog. So I started understanding more and more about that gap when when we, we are fearful and when you know we find it hard to to listen and to um, to translate what's coming to you to actual knowledge. So um, I started learning more and more about dog training and actually became a dog trainer part-time. So I, I was doing it at night while mm-hmm. I was a teacher. And But I just, I, I burnt myself out. I was the five-year statistic with teaching that I, I worked for five years mm-hmm. and then I needed a break. So burnt, um, still loved kids, but the, the system was breaking me. So I, um, yeah, I, I left and thought, I'll, I'll just do what I'm loving, which is being a dog trainer. So I took mm-hmm. what was probably about a quarter of my salary and became a dog trainer instead. Um, and I'm sure my friends and, and family thought it was like running away to join the circus. But in that time, it gave me a little bit more of a break and it gave me, you know, to understand what I really loved about being in school and what I loved about education. And it was not just the delivery of material, but the relationship you get through delivering material. And um, that's, mm-hmm how we started thinking about how the dogs could help with that and canine comprehension was built. That is a fabulous story, a fabulous story indeed. And I think when it's a love of education and a love of helping, then you will always find an avenue to do that. And if it's not traditional teaching, then, you know, there's another um, there's another way that you found to do that, um, which is which is wonderful. So maybe, you know, tell us about what's what's the mission of canine comprehension? Um, we're there to make sure that we're the gap between um, what the students and what the schools are trying to do um, and actually helping them accomplish that. So we're all about school con- connectiveness, there's the word that stumble over um, and um, making learning fun so we go where the kids need us to be whether that's in schools in homes in libraries um, we connect with the kids and work with them so they can understand their learning journey and they can enjoy their school connections better Amazing. So in my mind right now, I'm envisaging, you know, dogs in a classroom, especially of primary school aged kids. And it all just sounds like a stack of fun. But maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, how how you choose which student or what students or schools you might go into and what's a typical day in the life of of a doggy Mm. at school? So I I now am off the tools, as they say. So I'm, I'm in the office, but I've got... Um, 13, um, we call them tutors that work for me. So these people either come from a background like myself in education um, or they're psychologists, um, other mental health workers, social workers, youth workers that also have um, experience and certification in animal assisted therapy. So they 
bring their own therapy dogs into the schools. We do either one or two ways, um, either small group sessions where a tutor and their dog will come to the school and work with eight to ten kids um, once a week for eight weeks, running through a program. So our programs um, are often founded, you know, in, in the mental health um, area that, that we need, but we've got programs like communication on the inside and out. So talking about not just what you say, but how you say it and body language and how you're interpreted. Mm -hmm. um, friendship and responsibility, so that back and forth, that it's not just um, friendship is not just about taking, it's about what is your responsibility in a relation, in a friendship relationship as well. So um, we, they choose, the school will choose a different uh, a program and then we will come each week and run that program. Now, they'll use the dogs in that um, where, where we start talking about communication, we start talking about understanding one another and the kids may do um, an obedience exercise with the dog. So, for instance, asking the dog to sit and that idea of it's not just what we say, it's how we say it. So if I'm disengaged with the dog and I'm just like, sit, 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 oh, the dog's not listening to me, oh, he won't look at me, sit, <laughs> then we get to talk to them about, okay, well, first you need to make a connection with the dog. So use the dog's name, get the dog's attention, and then use a little bit of praise to, to, to keep the dog focused on you. So it would be something like, you know, hey, Banjo, good boy, sit. So we're lining all of that up. And so then we get to talk about when we see people in the in the playground or when we're at home and we get a response from someone that we we didn't feel was what we wanted, how we could change that with the same sort of steps that we were doing with the dog. So they'll do a lot of communicating with the dog and observing how that communication is going. So it's almost like role-playing, but you're getting to do it with a dog um, where it's a lot less... Um, confronting and a lot more fun mm -hmm. yes absolutely I mean who loves role playing right it's I know in the business world when you were you know doing some sales training or something they'd be like right now we're going to do some role playing and everybody would just like you know start cringing and going like oh, this is mm. the most uncomfortable thing ever so um, I love that you know and those topics that you are talking to children about are such important life skills that in the traditional education curriculum they're not there so I no. love that you're able to bring these in have these conversations um, with kids and start helping them to understand the importance of these topics is is there maybe you know one or two students or some experiences um, you know some success stories that really stand out for you that you'd like to share with us oh gosh um, there's there's a few when I was when I first built this company um, it, it was just me going out there and saying yes to um, you, you know how you work in business. You say yes, you can do it, and then you go home, and then <laughs> you work out how you do it. Yeah, <laughs> how am I going to do that? Um, so I do. I do remember being called by um, health and uh, Department of Health and Human Services and asking to work with a, a very at-risk child who um, was in residential care. Um, so he had moved from residential care to residential care place, and um, just having he was only nine at the time, and then just had a really tough go of it from really birth mm -hmm. to nine. So um, his self-regulation was really difficult. He would fly off the handle to a lot of different things. And I just remember 
when I first started going in there, he didn't really care too much about me. Um, I was just another person who was probably going to spend some time with him and leave. You know, that's that's what his routine was really yeah. used to. He was also used to chaos because that's where he felt comfortable. So he would try to make that chaos. But I'd bring in my therapy dog, Oscar, who when um, who Oscar would walk into a house. He still does now. Oscar's 15 and very much retired, but he still walks in and thinks that everyone's there for him. So Oscar would march into the house and um, and the the young boy would want to engage with Oscar. But then his attention would be, you know, disappeared or we ask him to do something that's a little bit difficult and he would start to have a tantrum and, and you know, you'd see things about he's looking for things to throw and those sort of things. Um, and we would make sure Oscar was safe. And I said, okay, well, Oscar has to move away now. You know, we, we make sure Oscar's safe first. And he just got back down on the floor and worked on his own self-regulation and apologised to Oscar and wanted to try to steady for Oscar. And so every time, and I worked with him for years and then some of my other tutors came in and worked with him as well and until he was well into his teens. And um, it was... It was always that idea that, you know, the the person um, is, isn't like we can be as lovely as possible, we can be as lovely as, as we are, as interesting as we are, but they wanted he wanted to make connections with the dog and that was the thing that really helped us start to teach him more about self-regulation and I was just one member of his care team. So his psychologist was still part of his, his speech um, therapist, his OT, but we could all talk together and talk about what... Um, I could do to help facilitate what they're trying to do as well. And so we really felt part mm -hmm. of a team that was moving forward. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I always, I, I won't use the kid's name on podcast, but I always yeah. talk about those stories with my staff and that they always know which kid I'm talking about when I start with that one because he's special to me. Yeah. That's so lovely. Now, I guess, you know, the question, you know, some schools or some parents might ask is, you know, is there some evidence behind this or is it just a really nice thing that the kids get to like play with the dog for a bit? Yeah, but really important. When I was a teacher um, and I was looking for incursions to come into my school, there were a few things that I cared about and because I knew there were a few things that my principal would care about and that is how much is it, how dangerous is it, and is there evidence to back it up and is it actually useful? And so when building canine comprehension, that that they were my three focuses really, that we could keep our, our prices reasonable, um, that we would make sure that there was compliance, insurance, training around it. But yes, that it was evidence-based as well. So any of my staff that first start working for me, the first thing they have to actually do is go back to school and do a literature review on a topic that interests them. So on our website, we have literature reviews on um, dogs working, uh, the benefits of dogs working with kids with autism, the benefit of dogs working with kids um, in school refusing settings and in classrooms to um, work on re-engagement. And the last um, study, the last studies, or studies we looked at in the literature review was actually how having animals with kids, and it wasn't just dogs, it was animals in this one, but um, turned around their experience of COVID-19 and lockdowns. And so that was really interesting to mm -hmm. us and helped us write our um, last course that, that we've now put up, which is called Beyond Lockdowns. And it's a resilience program about um, understanding what on earth went on for the last two years and trying to understand where we are now. Um, 
But yes, we do start from an evidence base. Otherwise, I don't want to waste anyone's time. That's exactly where we need to be. Yeah. And you raise a really good topic there because we are now in our post-lockdown era. We're still very much in COVID. But, you know, particularly for us down here in Victoria, we are back into, you know, normal schooling. So two parts to my question here, I guess, is one, how did your business go? You know, if you are a school-based business and suddenly there's nobody at school for a couple of years, tell me about how you how you went through that. And then oh. maybe if there's some insight you can give us about what you're seeing that's different about children oh. in this post-lockdown world that we're in and, and how you're helping them. Yeah, look, that, that both of those, well, the last one I think I'm still mentally mm-hmm. recovering from and, and the second question is very much on the on the tip of our minds all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, how did we go? So when lockdown started occurring, um, we had a meeting with staff um, and talked about what we could do, how we could go online. Um, so we quickly wrote online programs um, and we quickly started training our dogs for online. <laughs> um, here's a tip. If you want a dog to look at a screen, if you want a dog to look at a screen during a Zoom meeting, hey, um, stick a, um, a dog treat right next to the camera so then the dog's always looking at the screen. Um, so we, I had a we feeling you were about to say that. <laughs> They'll do anything for a schmacko. <laughs> um, but so we tried to do that. But the problem was that most of our clients are kids who are already disengaged and already struggle mm-hmm. um, with those connections. And it, the flat screen with those kids just just didn't didn't yeah. work. We we lost ninety five percent of our clients um, over a term, the first terms Gosh. of lockdown. So we then started talking about how do we tighten our belts and make sure that we get the government funding that we need to be able to be okay to roll out of this. I tell you, my bookkeeper um, and my accountant ended up becoming my therapists. Like they were just the ones who were able to talk to me about what were the figures were, what money we needed to to make to keep going, what, what we could pull back. So we just really started running um, on the smell of an oily rag during that time. Um, it meant that my staff had to go on job keeper or job seeker, wherever that they were at. Um, and during that time, though, it allowed me to um, review the curriculum, to rewrite our staff training program. It allowed my operations manager to rewrite the staff handbook and rewrite the admin handbook and so sort of get all of our ducks in a line. At no point did we go, this is the end. We there was a cup there were tears and 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 low points but we did just keep on behaving as though we just have to keep on getting through this and so sometimes you know we we felt like we were hitting our heads up against brick wall but we we needed to keep going and so on a Tuesday night we've always had our Tuesday night meeting with all our staff so we all get on zoom Sometimes, you know, people are still putting kids to bed or feeding teenagers or having a glass of wine and the husband's in the background with the TV on. Um, But we all get together and we talk about the highs and lows of our week and we try to help one another out. Those meetings never stopped. We did them and all the tutors still turned up. They had had no work, bless them. But we all helped. And then we all started running things like bingo and quiz nights and, and, you know, cocktail hour or whatever we needed to do. So... Fabulous. The fact that I had previously built a very strong team who who wanted 
to really put their best foot forward to try to keep this thing to survive was the reason we came out of it. Um, and so as soon as kids were back at school, we were back. Teachers needed us back. They wanted us there. Um, the funding has improved so much. So there's a lot more government funding. Um, there's a lot more focus on mental health. So um, school budgets are allowed to uh, more able to justify our work, which is becoming easier. Um, we're also with NDIS, so individual students um, with disability were able to access our support. So we got busy straight away. Uh, I've got to say, one of the things we didn't realise that, that um, was from that, of course, the staff, the humans in my team were going to be tired from going from wondering what else they can watch on Netflix to going back into schools and working full days. But it was the dogs as yeah. well, like the dogs being overstimulated and having so much going on. And it was something that we really had to be mindful of. But then we were also aware that we'd gone from no activity to all this activity and that affected the dogs. But that's exactly what was affecting our kids. So we so we made sure that we've always had a mindfulness component in, in our programs um, that at, at least five, ten minutes is devoted to either watching the dog breathe or feeling their fur or just focusing on the here and now, not worrying what's happening in the future or, mm-hmm. or worrying about what happened in the past, just here and now. And so that allowed the dogs to really to calm and that allowed the kids to calm. But with your second question, you know, what, you know, what are schools like post-COVID? Um, it's really tough for them. Like I, I take my hat off to all teachers and, and, and any school staff, actually. I know schools are saying that they're getting, you know, 300% change in the amount of parents that are calling on a daily basis. You know, parents are, have been working with their kids one-on-one. They were really in tune with their kids' needs. And so now they're coming into the schools and saying, this is what my child needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's 25 kids in that in that school, in, yeah. in that session, in that lesson. In class, so yeah. Yeah. it's it's really hard to individualise that teaching and and mm-hmm. teachers are tired. And then on top of all of that, we still keep getting sick, whether we get the flu or whether we get COVID. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's still time out. And mm-hmm. we've had, we always have to have a teacher in our sessions or a school representative. Mm-hmm. We can't, we don't want to be left with the kids. We, we want to make sure everyone's mm-hmm. safe. But we've had cancellations because... You know, they just simply cannot find a person yeah. to sit in the room with us. That That's where they're mm-hmm. at. And, um, look, it, it will get better. It will slow down. But I just think it's a reminder of everyone's doing it tough. Just be kind, mm-hmm. take a breath, and we'll all just try to do the best we can. Yeah. And that's, that's so true, you know, and it's great advice for all of us in life generally, you know, especially at the moment that we see around us um, that there is still disruption everywhere um, with mm. the impact of COVID and just because it is not headline news anymore uh, and we're not in lockdown, the disruption to our lives is just as intense yeah. but in a, in a really, really different way. Um, and yeah. you're right, you know, that transition back to school, not just for, as you say, for, for the kids but also for the parents, mm. um, you know, and the parents also then figuring out am I back working from home in the office a bit of this there is just this you know post-covid world that we're in is just mm. difficult in a different kind of way than, than what lockdown was for yeah. all of us so um, um i love that um i guess question would be you know what's the difference between you know i've got a fabulous dog 
he's probably the worst trained dog on the planet because I just think he's too cute and I'm useless at <laughs> discipline. You know, what's stopping me from going, oh, I'll just take my dog to, you know, the, the local school. What's the difference between my very well-behaved dog and mm. your therapy dogs? Well, it, it's something that we're working me and a couple of other businesses that are involved with Department of Education, we're working towards having guidelines there. At the moment, there are no guidelines. So if a principal wants to take their dog into their school because their dog is lovely and he will love the kids and the kids will love, love them, if they want to, to take that risk, there really isn't much stopping them, except for the fact of the fear from me on, on what could happen and what could go wrong. It, it does worry me when um, people who, who own dogs, they, they are experts in their pet dog, but they don't know what they don't know. And they definitely don't know what they, how their dog is going to behave in a classroom, in a busy setting with different noises and smells and people because they've never done it before. Or they don't know how a dog's going to go for a whole day. Like it's it's different taking your dog down to the kids' footy um, and they have a run with the kids for an hour to being in a school for eight hours and the dogs are, mm. the dogs can be stressed. Um, so mm. um, we do a lot of trying to educate the public and educate the schools on where the risks are here. Um, on, on what your risk assessment, so our, our risk analysis is a 20-page document um, weighing up everything. And so when teachers do say to me, oh, little Fluffy could come in and do this, I'm like, fine, just, and, and we have all of our compliance details on our website. I'm like, just take a look at what we've had to set up. Then you set it up and go for your life. <laughs> and then they realise, okay, there's a little bit more to this than I was originally thinking. And then... So, so, of course, you know, we, we need to mitigate um, accidents with the kids, allergies, you know, worst-case scenario, um, bites uh, or attacks from dogs. Yeah. Um, no one has ever said, when I was a dog trainer and dog behaviourist, no one ever said, I saw that coming. No one said, I left my kids with my dog and my dog bit my kids and I saw that coming. They, they don't. When dogs bite kids, they didn't see it coming and they didn't see it coming because they don't know what they don't know. And so we really need to make sure that when this is done and if teachers want to bring dogs into schools, so I'll give a plug to my friend Grant Shannon at Dogs Connect. There are some great businesses that will help dogs um, ethically and financially and, um, and, and line everything up so a dog in a school can actually happen. But it has to be much more thought out than just, yep, my dog likes my kids. Surely they'll like a class of 25. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's great, great advice to really think about how serious this is, you know, when you make a decision mm -hmm. to bring a dog um, amongst children. So if you could, you know, as a, as a woman in business and, you know, as a woman in the world, if you could think about, you know, one thing that you could change for women in the world that would make a difference, what would it be? It would be confidence in, in the early stages of being an entrepreneur, confidence of stepping forward and saying, I can do that. Um, I, I, I think there's... I think a lot of us, and, and I held off for a long time as well. I would I would drive my dogs to here, there, and everywhere, and listen to different business podcasts, and thought that would that's great for them. Like they had some sort of magic aura that I didn't have, that I couldn't do this, you know. Um, and I 
you know, like a lot of us, I, I grew up in a household where you needed to get, you know, the idea is that the winning goal is to get a steady job. If it pays well, even better. So you can pay off your mortgage and all those sort of things. So those two things, the confidence to step out by myself and, and run with an idea um, and, and actually the, the belief in yourself that you can and financially you can sew it all together long enough for it to make to happen um i don't think i don't think there is a, a lack of um good ideas women work hard you know just as hard like we, we all work hard um but i just think having more confidence to to learn more to take more chances to meet different people and just just to build yourself so anytime I worry in my business I'm like oh my gosh I don't think I'm doing that well in something like marketing is always one of those things I think I could be doing better on I I do sometimes sit and wallow and go I'm really bad at this because I was never trained as a marketer the answer to that is just more education it's just okay well I have to just go and learn I have to go and talk to more people I have to you know just get involved Mm -hmm. in it Um, and sometimes I, I think the way that's fixed is with confidence, is, is saying, yes, I can step out there and, and do this. So, yeah, my, wave my magic wand and we're all much more confident people that can go out. Mm. I love that. I love that answer. I think one of the things is that when other women look at women who are doing it, you know, so if, if women look at what you are doing, they might go, oh, my gosh, she's so confident, she's got it all together, look, she's nailing mm. life. And you on the inside, you go, you know what? I struggle. I doubt myself. I've had my own mental health battles. Some days, you know, I know for me, some days I just sit here and go, what am I doing? Why do I do this? Can I actually do this? Like, should I just give up now and go back and get a real job, you know, again? (laughs) My operation front up and you go. We're just, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I I think that. It is that outer confidence and whatever gets you there, you know, like we we do oh, all the time, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly scared. I have generalised anxiety disorder and constantly worried. Mm-hmm. And um, before this um, podcast, I was in a real mess thinking, oh, gosh, I'm going to say something stupid. And, 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 Margaret, you said it when you came on, you said, look, we're just going to chat about your business. And I'm like, my God, if there's anything I don't, if there's anything I know something about, it is what I've been doing for the last so many years. So I just need to talk and, and all of those other worries. I think that's confidence. Yeah, sometimes you do have to fake it until you make it. But it, it's also just going, it's okay to feel uncomfortable and to be a little bit scared but to do it anyway. So maybe maybe confidence mixed in with bravery, you know, just just do it anyway, no matter how you feel. Get out of bed, make the bed and try to get on with your day. <laughs> yeah. Most definitely. And I think this is the beauty of when women come together and it's why, you know, doing things such as this Living the Queen Life podcast and going and finding ordinary women mm. doing extraordinary things is so important. And, and it's, you know, when I see women coming together in the women's circles that I run, and they come in feeling a little bit alone and scared yeah. and kind of going, I want to be here because I want to connect, but I don't know how vulnerable I feel safe to be. And maybe what I'm going through is really different. And then suddenly one person opens up and everybody else goes, oh, God, it's not just me. It's yes. not just me. Yeah. You know? And I think especially. And that vulnerability and that bravery gives permission to other women to go, yeah. I can be me as well. And if they can do it, I can, I can do it too. 
and you're you're creating a really important space. I think especially for leaders, for for women who you can't say that to your staff. You can't start every day with, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Good luck, people. You know, you do have to be a leader. So so when you when you are able to to come together with other leaders and with other business women um, and say, yeah, you know, we do feel this sometimes, but, damn it, we're still doing it. We're still doing a great job. We're still, you know, kicking goals. We can have both of those things. We can have uncertainty and we can still have success. Absolutely. Uncertainty plus success. Like, yeah, absolutely. That is a fabulous way of thinking about it. So, you know, thinking about then that that women, um, you know, need and the attributes that we bring both in our strength and our vulnerability. You know, if you were to think about being the queen of your own universe, you know, what are some of your personal attributes that come to mind when you think about being a queen? Oh, um. Gosh, what a question. I've I, um, never been asked anything like that before. My, what are my personal attributes? <laughs> Do you know I think it's hard because I, I think some of the things that have made me really, really successful have also been a bit of a downfall um, from my mental health side and, and what my family <laughs> would say. It's the things like... I, I can work really hard and, and I do, I am a lifelong learner and I love learning about something new and getting really involved, um, but I can become obsessive. So then that's my blinkers on and I'm always doing that. So it means that it does mean that whatever I'm doing, I will try to do my very best. Um, and, and another attribute for mine, once again, which is a, um, which needs to be balanced is I will look for that perfection. Um and I've had to learn that the 80-20 rule has to be in there. You know, perfection mm-hmm. is going to is going. Perfection means pause. This is the way I say it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to get close and then go. Yep, let's launch it. Let's do the thing. So, um, I guess those things about me being, you know, queen of my universe is I'm damn passionate about what I do. I'm I do feel really fortunate that I've got to a place that I'm able to do exactly what I want to do, um, and then. I just need to make sure that I keep finding that balance in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the, as a recovering perfectionist, I, I hear you yeah, recovering, um, I like on, it. on that. <laughs> I still have, look, perfectionism was what was at the heart of my burnout. You know, I have had a lifelong quest to be perfect, which goes back to a whole stack of childhood stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And my perfectionism, my desire to be perfect in order to be think that if I was perfect, I would be loved and I would be approved of led me to complete burnout. Um, yes. And I'm a quest now to just go, you know what, it's good enough. It's yeah. good enough. Me doing Absolutely. my best is enough. Yeah. Every day it, of the week. And um, and it's something we try to teach our kids as well. Like when we're talking about communication, if we're trying to teach a dog a new trick, for instance, trying to teach rollover. There's not the perfect rollover. Like he'll either get a little bit of it and we'll get it right or when he does it, sometimes he won't, you know, he'll do it slowly or quickly or this and that. But he's got it. The communication was dog do this, the dog does it, let's celebrate it, you know. So when we look at our tasks as a business owner or as, you know, that we're, if, if we're doing them, that is the win. You know, yeah, we need to take that 100, that 100% idea well out of it, you know, just, yeah, it is. It's very, um, it, it freezes pe- people up and it means you don't enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. Mm. 
all great advice. Now, you you have a lot of women, um, you know, working with you in your business. Is there is there another woman in your business who inspires you? Oh, gosh, every day. A shout out to Louise, um, my operations manager. Um, I worked with Louise. Both of us worked um, at a college before we started this. I was doing a part-time job there and Louise working full-time. Um, and she saw what I started and what I was doing and she wanted to be part of it. And I'm... I'm big picture. I can, I, you know, have all these ideas and let's go. And she is process driven and she is really good at procedures and really good at management. And the two of us together have made this business work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my gosh, she stuck by me all through, like all my staff did, but, you know, stuck by us all through COVID. She was, she's the one that I call up when I'm like, what are we doing? Um, an amazing, an absolutely amazing woman. And she very much, I'm I'm the one who gets to do these podcasts and stand up and grab the awards and go aren't you know isn't this wonderful but but she really is you know the backbone and you know a shout out to all my staff but yeah I get it I'm I'm using this I'm going to use it as an opportunity to thank Louise now so thank you Louise there you go thanks Louise big shout out to you <laughs> <laughs> you know and we all need I'm I'm like you I'm the ideas person the execution oh god oh, admin. <laughs> at the moment it's just yeah. me and I can tell you what there's a stack of admin that doesn't get done but at least I don't have anybody to tell me off about it at the moment <laughs> yeah well I do get told off sometimes that's for sure yeah, yeah as soon as she looks at my emails like her emails are all organized and mine are just like a mess and I'm like yeah well that's how it happens <laughs> that's just we we each have our own strengths so that exactly. is wonderful that you have got her there supporting you mm-hmm. um Queen members are always asking me, what are you listening to? What are you reading? Mm. So any books or podcasts at the moment that you are obsessed with and would recommend? Um, Nothing just focused on women, but um, management, um, Mm. no bullshit leadership is a podcast that I listen to. It's like, yeah, yeah, 20 minutes. And it really focuses on um, the need to be respected over being liked and, and how you get over mm-hmm. and, and that's about ego and how you get over your ego there to be a good leader. Um, so, yeah, that's done by an Australian guy. Um, every so often, love the small business, big marketing podcast run by Tim Reid. Um, that uh, you can always find information like we can all say no business is like mine. My business is unique, but you can pick up you can pick up tips from someone like pieces. so yeah, someone who's selling shoes or someone who's you know owns a cinema or something. You know, like we do go through similar struggles. So, um, listening to what other business people are doing, I would like to say that I am reading. I, I used to be an English teacher. I used to, I've written we we run literacy programs with the dogs in libraries um and I just haven't had time to pick up a book I'm I'm always Mm -hmm. asleep so that is one thing I really do want to change is um a lot more um reading um I listen to audio books so probably the Mm -hmm. the one that I found really interesting is an audio book called um a very short audio book by Sam Harris online um, and where small lies and even like the smallest of deceptions can eat away at our moral value and our ethics. Um, and it's something that I'm, I feel, you know, like people could do a lot to me, just don't lie to me, you know, and, and I really wanted to unpack why that is such a kryptonite for me. Um, and that book was really insightful. So, yeah, Lying by Sam Harris as well. 
Lying by Sam Harris. I might have to go and look that up. That's a very interesting Mm. topic. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Best or worst piece of advice that you have ever been given? Um. (laughs) It is the best and the worst. Um, Do the thing you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Have you heard you've heard that one? Do something you love and you'll never heard work that one. in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my whole life has been, well, I think all of our lives should be a journey on trying to find the things we love. Um, but I've worked bloody hard for it as well. Like I do, I do things that I love all the time, but, but it is, it is work. And, um, and I, I realised when, when I became a dog trainer, when I started building this business and was, was working, at, you know, as business owners do, far too many hours, far too many weekends, mm-hmm. um, that I needed something else that I loved that wasn't work. I needed to to do something else. So that idea that if you, you know, you just do what you love, that that's going to be the only thing that fulfills you is mm-hmm. is just not the case. And and it's been a lovely journey of, of when I was in my, when I was a child and in my teens, I owned horses and used to ride. And then I didn't do that for you know most of my adult life and just in the last five ten years got back into that and so that's my thing people ask are you going to get the horses involved in therapy work I'm like no they're my therapy that's that's an outside Mm -hmm. thing so yeah yeah I needed to learn that balance yeah yeah and it's I get that piece of advice you know I was only reflecting on this a couple of days ago actually and something very similar popped into my mind is that and I said to somebody, you know, I'm working as many hours a week, if not more now, than I was when I was in the corporate job. Oh, that, certainly. You yeah. know, nearly damn near killed me. Mm-hmm. Yet I don't feel like I'm working. Mm. You know, that the hours are long. You know, there are some days where you're kind of like, oh my God, like, what am I doing here? But I guess I looked at it and I went, it's not hard work, but it's constant. Yeah, you know, there is, there is not down. I'm not doing a very good job at the moment of, of having the downtime from it, but I'm also not feeling like I need a holiday from it at the moment because, mm. you know, I, I am um, enjoying it. But this, this notion that, you know, yes, it's great. You know, it took me till being nearly 50 to figure out what I actually wanted to do when I grew up. Um, <laughs> but in order to make the difference in the world that you want to make, and make an income because you know we've all got bills to pay and mortgages to pay and families to feed. Yeah, got to get that you balance. Still have yeah, to work. yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I, it's, it's I the, think you know the work that I'm doing is super fulfilling. Yeah, that's that's the key, isn't it? Yeah, like, like I, I I I am spending a lot of time being tired lately. I think it's just building up. You know, we are so busy, which is great. Success is great, um, but. Yes, I, I do feel I'm making a difference and I do feel like um, a real intrinsic reward there, which is mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, um, I'm doing what I want to do. So even if I am working hard, I'm doing what I want to do. That, that's mm-hmm. n- not everyone gets to do that. And, and so, yeah, I, I do have to remember um, how wonderful it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is a privilege to do what we love most, mm-hmm. most definitely. All right. So a couple of remaining questions for me. Um, one would be if I was a school or a teacher and I was interested in finding out more about you or booking your services, where would I find you? 
So you can find us at caninecomprehension.com.au. So that's spelt out C-A-N-I-N-E comprehension.com.au. Um, we have information there for parents, for schools, for professionals. Uh, we've got a few videos on, we've done work with Yarra Libraries, so we've got videos there. We've, um, we've got a few videos of us going into schools so you can actually see what we do. And um, if you're a teacher that wants to go to your principal and say, this is what we're doing, all of our compliance documents are there so the principals can see. Um, also, if you're a business that is looking to um, spend some good money on um, some um, worldwide causes, we also have a sponsorship options now as well. So you can go onto the sponsorship tab and, um, and look at sponsoring an individual or a school program. So a school local to you can actually get more support in this way. Oh, I love that. That's a fabulous way for businesses to get involved and support their local school community. That is fantastic. What areas do you service? We are um, only in Victoria at the moment. So we do um, some areas of regional Victoria um, around Wangaratta, Shepparton areas. Um, we have, um, but then we're also just all over Melbourne. Um, we have tutors all over, you know, the um, west, east, south, north, like we, we can get there. So if you press your book now button and put your suburb in, um, our um, daily organiser and scheduler will give you a call back and um, and talk to you about times and it, it's all about logistics trying to get the dog and people here there and everywhere but we're in all of Melbourne and some of Victoria we would love to be everywhere else we'll get there eventually <laughs> <laughs> eventually eventually you can have some world domination exactly. um, with these fabulous dogs and uh, and these wonderful tutors um, that you provide that is wonderful. So you are also on all of the socials. So we'll put all of your links up in the show notes so that folks can come great. along and follow you on Facebook and Instagram and check out your website. Sarah, I have so enjoyed talking with you today. Um, the one thing I will tell you as well, a little secret about me, when I left uni, I went, oh, sorry, when I left school, I went to uni to become a high school English teacher. Ah, <laughs> and I got 18 months into doing it and went, you know, what am I doing? I don't even like kids. <laughs> well, so I, I think I've met out. a few teachers that probably should have done that a while ago. <laughs> you do meet the odd teacher, it's like, I don't like kids, I don't like kids. Most of them love it. But, yeah, it's all part of our journey, isn't it? It really is. So, yeah, I um, I got into it because I, I loved books and I loved history, but I then fell in love with teaching and with kids. Kids just crack me up. I just the naughty ones just make me laugh so much. It's so good. So yeah, <laughs> fantastic. And yes, a big shout out to all of our educators um, who do phenomenal work. Well done, guys. <laughs> raising um, our next generation. Mm. Absolutely, Sarah. Thank you so much for being with us today on Living the Queen Life podcast. I have loved this chat, and I am now going to go and give my dog a big pat and a big cuddle, uh, and see if I can teach him a new trick. Well, isn't it great? They've all been quiet throughout the whole podcast, so no barking in the background. Know, so <laughs> winning. <laughs> yeah, I'll give my dogs a cuddle Amazing. too. Thanks a lot, Margaret. Thank you for listening to Living the Queen Life podcast. You can join in on the conversation at Queen of My Own Universe on Facebook, Queen of My Own Universe 1 on Instagram, or visit the website at www.queenofmyownuniverse.com. 
Please join me again soon and in the meantime, keep on living your best queen life.